It's been a busy week of sports and COVID, but we'd be remiss to not first say unequivocally, Black Lives Matter. It's going to come up, but today we're going to chat MSU players understanding the pandemic, a big recruiting win, bubbles, the SEC being a giant CF, prospects of playing college basketball, a new segment, and of course, answer your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that Variety calls the best new sports podcast of the year. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by my co-host, Kevin Greck, and now the man who has been picked up for a six-episode arc, Alex Plum. Wow. Greckers. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? I'm excited about these bubbles. Guys, have you seen the bubble wands where the, it's like battery powered and then you just put all of the bubble stuff in the bottom and then you just hit the button and sometimes it makes like a Disney princess uh, like song that goes along with it and you can just like make bubbles go in every which direction. It's fantastic. I wasn't expecting to talk about that on this podcast, but I am excited uh, as an uncle to be able to do so. So bubbles, bubbles. That's great. Uh, my son has a lawnmower that um, uh, is fake, obviously, but it, it it shoots bubbles out of it. It's it's wonderful. It gives him great amount of joy. Anyway, uh, Plum. And it, uh, and it subverts gender expectations. So, so way to go. Way to go, my man. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> don't know how to respond to that, but uh, Plum. Uh, welcome again. And now we have Twitter questions on it, so maybe we'll just save it for that. But now, uh, at least a more regularly recurring, uh, co-host, not sure what title to tap onto you quite yet, but how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm really a man of many titles. And I think, uh, you know, if it's a bubble blower or whatever else it needs to be for the week, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to, uh, to compliment the team. So we're going oh. back to our college titles on this one. Got it. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, Alex is, of course, for those who have been regular listeners of the pod, a uh, bit of a public health expert or at least more expert than us. And so if, at least so long as COVID is interrupting sports and causing chaos, uh, Alex will be joining us on the reg. Uh, but as always, thank you for uh, folks who have tuned in, given us a listen if we could, we've noticed you sharing the pod with the Spartans in your life. If you could continue to do so inexplicably, our listenership is growing without sports and in the middle of a pandemic. Give us a follow on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, rate, review and subscribe to the show. Continue to make us the best rated Spartan podcast on the Internet. Uh and before we get to breaking down the structure of the show, we do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fraser's Pub, Ann Arbor, Michigan, wood paneled walls, regular monthly beer special. You have a few days left to get in for the Bell's official hazy IPA, which is a mere five ninety nine for twenty three ounces. And you guys want to say anything nice about Fraser's Plum? I mean, they're basically giving the beer away at that price. Uh, you should drive there now, right now. Get. <laughs> you could be I mean, uh, you could be uh in Lansing, probably not even finish this pod, get to Frasers, have a beer, <laughs> and listen to us on the way back, and that'll probably wrap the pod. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Scared him away right out of the gate. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Really uh, Greg, good podcast hosting. <laughs> Greg, uh, tell the folks what they can expect for the structure of the show in case they're tuning in for the first time. Yeah. Dear listeners, we got a lot in store for you. First up, the Green Mall. That's where we talk about the goings-ons of sports here on campus at Michigan State University. We talk about football. We're going to talk about basketball. We might, on occasion, talk about non-revenue sports as well, but I don't think that's uh, on the list this week. So moving on. Then we're going to go off Grand River. We're going to talk about things happening in sports around the country, both collegiate and to an extent professional this, uh, this week. Then we'll start a new segment, TBD, uh, on the name for that one, where we ask you to send us uh, sports questions that you might not be comfortable sending any other sports podcast. So things that, uh, you know, that people take for granted in sports knowledge that uh, you haven't understand. Sort of like an explain to me like I'm five type of segment, but for sports in particular, and then Twitter questions. Great. Love the breakdown. Efficient as always. Yes. Um, (laughs) So let's head behind that green wall. And as usual, uh, start with the sport that leads football. Uh, So I think, gentlemen, where I want to start is with the Zoom call that happened today with a handful of players. Um, I know it sounds like Matt Allen was on the call, Rocky Lombardi, Dominique Long, and Antoine Simmons um, spoke to reporters today. And, you know, there were some interesting quotes from each one of them, but what was most interesting to me was the sort of mature response from the players about not having football which is to say that generally speaking, they said, yeah, we wanted to play football, but we get it. Um, and it seems like that came top down plum uh, being the COVID expert, I guess. Uh, do you have any, uh, you know, shots you want to throw at a, at a different program who seems to not get it and, and whether uh, leadership matters? <clears throat> I mean, in this uh, in this time where we're living right now, leadership is the only thing that matters. And in many respects, I think it's the only thing that ever has mattered. Um, but what we're seeing is in a vacuum of leadership, you see uh, new forms of leadership, new forms of leaders begin to emerge. And I think that's what we're seeing with uh, Michigan State Spartans. We're seeing players. We're seeing this uh, in a lot of domains, folks stepping up and saying, um, do I like it? No. And am I willing to make a sacrifice for the greater good? Yes. Uh, if that isn't the absolute hallmark of what we expect in selfless, self-effacing, self-sacrificing leadership for the greater good, I don't know what is. And if other programs can't get like us, well, then I guess they never will. Yeah, their loss. Uh, Greg, you know, one of the th- the other things that st- stood out to me is you know the conversation surrounded, and I, I think we touched a little bit on this last week, was the decision to shift to an off-season training protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, what was interesting and we kind of talked about it was that they weren't going the route of say Michigan, which was, I'm, we're going to run practices like normal and, uh, or sort of preseason practices like normal, um, and, and do sort of football related exercises. Uh, it seems like the thought coming out of COVID time was that, that whatever Mel Tucker and company did, the team picked up the new scheme relatively well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that gives us an indication of the level of confidence that this first year 
coaching staff has in this team, or they're just thinking, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if we get to play in the spring or ultimately next fall, uh, it's going to be most important that these guys are in peak physical condition relative to the competition. So while the other teams are prioritizing specific plays and and that kind of stuff, our guys are going to be sleeping fast in the meantime, because that's the priority. Um, We'll see how that strategy plays out. But if you trust these professional football coaches to evaluate and determine how well the team understands the scheme, I think we're in a good spot, right? Yeah, uh, I I would be remiss to not ask you, Greg. Though uh, Rocky Lombardi, Rocky Lombardi was you know one of the players made available to the media, right? Um, do you think that says anything about the quarterback selection process going into next year? Well, we haven't seen what a Mel Tucker quarterback selection process looks like. Uh, it tells me, at the very least, that he's the oldest uh, quarterback on the roster. And that is true. But, <laughs> You've stated a fact. <laughs> yep. Um, it's a concern though, right? Like it's, I, I believe it's the stated opinion of this podcast that Rocky Lombardi probably not going to be a winning quarterback for Michigan state. And yeah, unless something changed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a concern. There were no quarterback transfers picked up uh, that the fan base wanted. That didn't happen. Uh, I know some of the younger guys have heat. The younger quarterbacks always do. Rocky Lombardi had a lot of heat at one point. So four-star Rocky Lombardi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the man, I, the last time I saw him, he's walking out of, you know, crunchies. So he's a good dude with great taste, but I, I just, I'm in fairness. I think about, you get three stars with the name alone. Yeah. I mean, Rocky Lombardi. Well, that is blonde be- hair is worth yeah. at least a half a star. God, it's spectacular. <laughs> so three and a half uh, stars right out, out the, the gate, gate. And then he earned himself another another half. Of one. Good for him <laughs> by, by being able to throw a forward pass. Um, I, I do think it needs to be reemphasized, though, that these guys and this team has handled this situation very well. Very well. Yes. Um, Tons of maturity. From the top down. Yes. Yeah. Like it, there has not been an issue. And and MSU Sports as far as I'm concerned had the best plan going into the cancellation as well. It was the most straightforward, it was the most stated, it was the most transparent. Um I I think that the university and the athletic department relative to the rest of the country has handled this situation very very well. I've been impressed. Yes. Uh and and I know, you know, um, we're going to kind of get to a little bit more, but it, obviously it, I, I think since the last time we recorded president Stanley had a press conference, a, a zoom call with reporters, um, you know, I- explaining the the decision to, to shut down, um, on in-person instruction, there won't be on-campus housing for the most part. And, and, and to your point, Greg, that is again, it, we may not all like it, love it. We have varying degrees of frustration with, with communication, but it is at least sort of the most communicative uh, position that's, that's come out from the school or from, from the big 10 schools, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got a packed schedule. So we got to move on to some uh, exciting news. MSU picked up 
what at the time was a consensus four-star recruit in Gino Vandemark out of New Jersey. Uh, Gino is uh, big. Uh, he's in offensive guard. I, I think he plays some tackle in high school, though he will almost certainly be in a, a guard in college. Uh, he is uh, out of St. Joseph uh, Regional in New Jersey. Uh, he's six three six four i think uh so not quite tall enough to play tackle uh, at least not under a mel tucker scheme uh but appears to be a very talented offensive lineman uh this is a huge win for tucker and company it i believe brought our recruiting his signing alone brought our recruiting ranking up nationally like seven eight points mm-hmm. uh plum uh does do you feel any more I don't know. Was was this a meaningful win for you? Did you did you need this news to feel better about Mel Tucker? <clears throat> you know, I think about Mel Tucker like I think about um, anyone that has anything to do with Michigan State University leadership, which is blind loyalty and an unhealthy <laughs> dedication. So, you know, I think one of the pieces that seems to be a hallmark from the D'Antonio era is a uh, reliance on scrappy ball players with uh, clever names. Uh, you have Rocky, now you have Gino. And I think really, if we're going to invest in anything, it's a constancy or a consistency of nomenclature. So I give Mel a lot of credit uh, for keeping us consistent. That's what he looks for, right? As he's going through the recording. Um, it's what, what are these names and do they lend themselves to trick plays? Um, <laughs> that is the D'Antonio legacy that will live on even through, even through uh, the Mel Tucker yeah. era. Yeah. So Gino is uh, teammates with a, uh, a young man, uh, and, and I think emphasis on the word man, uh, based on some of the pictures of him, Audric Estime, who is a running back. Look, I, it, I know Greg, you're over my bit, but like <clears throat> dude sent out pictures of him mid post workout, whatever. He's a giant. Like it, it is fair to say that it, he does not look 16 years old. He, he looks NFL ready in terms of his his development on a physical level, um, but is a running back was also a consensus four star. We're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, but, I'm I'm tired with all of this recruiting stuff. What? Let's move on. Conspiracy theory. Let's go. go. So Gino commits to MSU, and there's a strong belief that Audric his his room uh, or his. Uh, his teammate will also be committing to MSU. And then lo and behold, uh, there is a re-ranking done and both of them drop from consensus four stars to uh, not consensus four stars. Saboteur. Um, so it, let, let's just take Audric Estime for a second. Uh, he is from Rivals, one, uh, one key recruiting website, is the 10th best running back in the nation. According to 24-7, He's the 22nd best running back in the nation. ESPN has him at the 67th best running back in the nation. Mm. Um, ESPN has, uh, you know, tends to drag down composite rankings. Um, The other two sites have him as a, as a a top 300 player. Um, To, to give some context on ESPN kind of being out of touch. 
Uh, Audrey Estime doesn't even have a listed offer from MSU, even though he's very much been listed uh, or had been offered by MSU. So there's this thought that the the conspiracy is that percolates around MSU fandom is that um, our recruits get tanked because people hate MSU. I mean, I know we like to have the chip on the shoulder. I'm not sure that I'm willing to go quite that far. Greg, what do you think? I, I've been following recruiting for a long time, Wait. and it's a constant theme. Uh, honestly, I buy it. What? You, you really, you've been following, A, did not know that. You've been following recruiting that long. Is this is this real talk? Well, I mean, you you make fun of me so much for the. Uh, oh, I I've been aware of recruiting since we were in college together. So, like, from from the beginnings of rivals and scout up until now, I keep an eye on recruiting. And here's what I'll say: I'm not sure that it's MSU in particular, but I do think that the recruiting the the recruiting websites profit off of hype particularly hype from large fan bases. And I think that guys that are, you know, ranked higher and when they commit to, to bigger fan bases, get a lot more clicks, get a lot more eyeballs, get a lot more subscriptions and MSU fans in the red Cedar message board have never really needed to subscribe to uh 24 seven to get most of the stuff. And, um, What's the other one? Is it Rivals? Yeah. Is, who's over at Rivals? Uh, uh, Campari is, I think. That's comp, comps at yeah. Rivals? Yeah, and uh, Corey Robinson. I mean, the MSU fan base has been fractured in such a way that I don't think it has a huge presence on any one of the individual recruiting profiles. And as a result, I think these recruiting websites just don't emphasize MSU recruits. I honestly, I believe it. It's happened so many times. And then in basketball, where it probably does, where the MSU fan base probably does push, you see recruiting bumps from guys right before they're about to uh, commit to MSU. It happens there too. So I, I think as a product, these aren't perfect systems. These are for-profit systems on a click and subscription model. And they're going to do things to drive more clicks and subscriptions. So, so in a way, you look at it much like um, sort of a probably a fair critique of general news media in that uh, oftentimes headlines are misleading for the content of a story because they're designed to generate clicks. So mm-hmm. in the same way, uh, yeah, you're right. 24-7 and, and Rivals very much and ESPN through whatever they're stupid subscription version is um you know need those clicks and so they're gonna drive traffic to what is generating heat at fan bases that will pay for that nonsense yeah and i want to make it clear i don't think it's explicitly at the cost of msu i think they do explicitly bump up guys for bigger fan bases that then necessarily comes at the expense of fan bases that don't have quite the subscription size right it's not msu hate it's 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 just uh it's love for for other places and it's it ultimately i mean we know how excited u of m fans get about their recruiting right like we've seen it and it results ultimately in them getting let down in the long run i'm not sure that i want that 
what I've been conditioned to as an MSU fan is to over expect from our recruits versus their recruiting profiles. And U of M fans have just had a, you know, constant parade of five-star guys that haven't amounted to much. Let's be honest. Haven't won much at the very least. Yeah, that's fair. Plum, thoughts? I mean, this kid, what is it? Estime, am I saying that right? Yes. His offer came from Michigan State back on February 25th. I've been all scrolling as you guys have been blabbing on and on about this. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder about I wonder about the timing on these things, you know, because you can see a pretty constant, steady stream of him sort of, you know, uh, excited to announce offer from so and so offer from so and so Iowa jumping on the bad wag- bandwagon as of yesterday, giving him a little a uh, little offer. I think we can all safely guarantee he's not going to become a Hawkeye who would. <laughs> Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I don't know enough about recruiting. I'm, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not like Greg in that respect, but I'll tell you, um, you know, fawning over teenage boys, we all kind of grow out of it. And, uh, well, Greg will eventually. Someday. 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 Uh, so let's head to some, uh, some basketball news and, and we'll start with two light stories here. Not much discussion probably needed, but worth mentioning. Nonetheless, first, uh, our guys, Xavier Tillman, Cassius Winston, currently projected as both first round picks by CBS. Uh, I cannot be more excited. And honestly, they absolutely should be if and if they're not like I get it, but uh, they're winners is is sort of my takeaway. And, and there was an interview with Tillman where he pretty much said, like, the question was, what would you tell teams if if they were, you know, about what makes you different? And he's like, I win. That's what I do is I win. And I would say the same thing about Cassius. So, I don't, uh, Plum, I'll turn it over to you first. Um, I don't know how much commentary there is to have about this, but it, it's, it's exciting news, and I'm going to keep my eye on whatever team's pick them up and where they land in the draft. You know, it's almost interesting to me. And I kind of wonder whether in my heart, Winston should be going very early in the draft, but I almost wonder if Tillman goes before, before cash does. I wonder if there's something the league sees in him. Um, and I, we can give some credit to Dickie V on this kind of, you know, spilling the beans and getting Tillman into a little hot water. And then he got himself out of it. But you know, you, I think I've heard you guys talk on the pot a little bit about cash, maybe not being as sure footed in terms of where and how early he goes in the draft, I, I almost wonder if if we if we don't see Xavier go first. Yeah, I think we do, but I because I, I think the more surprising thing, and Greg, I'll, I'm curious if you disagree, was that Winston was projected as a first round draft pick. That was the Tillman. I think was always sort of fringe in my mind. Winston was more likely a second round. Am I am I wrong to think that? That's been my impression the whole time. Um, but uh, it's possible. You can go in the first. I mean, it, this is going to be an NBA draft based largely on film. These guys have not met with team doctors. These guys have not participated in the combine, though they, I guess they will before the draft. Um, and I, I, I think our guys are guys that look better on film than they will in person. So we'll see what happens after that combine. Um, but I, I think I think Tillman knows where he's going to go. Actually, he's got a pretty yeah. good idea. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to find that it's 
end of the first round. Uh, Cassius probably doesn't have as good an idea yet, is my bet. But yeah, I, 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 he's the one I'm most curious about. Yeah, I, for both these guys, though, I just want them to go to good teams yeah. again. Yeah. I just want them to go to good. They teams. just they deserve it. They're just good yeah. guys. They're just yeah. good guys. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, even if they don't through the draft, I think they end up there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just it. And and it seems to me, and I know this is a theory that Graham Couch has, has floated, but that a team that doesn't necessarily need like their starting point guard, you know, someone who's got uh, who who could use a quality backup mm-hmm. could, you know, and and I think uh, I, I think Graham has has floated the uh, the Warriors as a, as an option for this, but that they could benefit from someone like Cassius. Right. Like that, that they're settled there, but you know, you've got a winner that you're, you're picking up. And there's a guy on that team that's going to be advocating for him. So yes, for, for either of these guys, let's be honest. But so anyway, uh, something to keep an eye on. We don't need to spend any more time on it, but uh, if we are looking forward to uh, college basketball and we are going to talk about the bubble in a second, but it is worth mentioning that Josh Langford on Instagram first was asked about how his health was and says 1000% and then releases some glamour shots, notably of doing lunges with two 50 pound dumbbells. Got to feel good about that foot, right? Greg? <laughs> I mean, maybe that was totally staged. Maybe the, those are like painted styrofoam dumbbells. Um, and he's not even like he's Photoshopped in. He's actually in, you know, like a pool somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Water man. aerobics. Yes. Uh, I love Langford. I want him back this year. I want him getting a lot of play time, but I, I got to guard myself and my heart. Uh, I've just been hurt so many times with him and uh, I, uh, I'll believe it when I see it with Josh Langford is wrong yeah. right now, but plum still exciting to see, right? I mean, <clears throat> very exciting to see. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> all right so let's um this is gonna kind of uh blossom into maybe a conversation we would have had um off grand river but you know as we approach college basketball season actually plum i'm just gonna table this we're gonna uh why don't we hit our not a sponsor because we're gonna talk bubble yep. and and uh so we'll we'll hear from our not a sponsor and then we will talk some college basketball bubble uh, in off grand river segment. So, uh, plum, uh, I want to say thank you, first of all, for not only joining the show on a regular basis, but bringing in a sponsor from the get, um, not a sponsor. Uh, we are hard up for these. So, uh, tell us who is joining us this week. Well, uh, you know, this week's episode of can't read, can't write is not brought to you or me by OnlyFans, the content subscription service where your favorite MSU-wide receivers can, well, receive things like your money. Known in some quarters for their illicit adult content, OnlyFans is reaching out to sports fans hoping to go beyond leg shots and instead cultivate a more family-friendly image. So for fans of the pod who use the promo code ACCIDENTALSHOOTING, OnlyFans is offering the first 60 minutes of new subscriptions free. So head on over to OnlyFans.com and try search terms like eighth overall pick or 
Cardinals coaching intern, or simply Plaxico. See what might turn up. Like, really up. Only fan. Because <laughs> why not? That's why we brought Plum along for that <laughs> Rolodex. You got to dig deep. Sometimes. He's already got. You got to dig deep. He's already bringing OnlyFans in the door. Uh, we, or, I think, not in the door. Not, not, not all the way through it. Uh, you know, I, I think we've we've talked about taking the podcast to OnlyFans.com. Uh, that's TBD. Uh, Patreon OnlyFans. We're going to go somewhere, but uh, let's head off Grand River. So first, we're just merely going to mention because we don't have time for it. But at LSU has some big problems. Oh God, big problems. Bigly. Uh, don't know where to start. Uh, but. We're probably going to get into it at some point in time when more is known, though this has been years in the making. So let's start with uh, big parents. Uh, I'm sorry, big 10 parents being big mad uh, over the past week. Dozens. <laughs> two dozen. There, uh, there are dozens half. of us like like the never nudes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there are dozens of them showed up in Chicago area to protest at the Big Ten headquarters, that football had been postponed. In res- Well, actually, shortly before that, Kevin Warren releases a statement uh, that was fine, uh, maybe not as uh, transparent as you would have liked, but uh, does give some insight into the decision-making uh, and then reportedly has held a conference call with parents, players, and coaches. The parents then release a second open letter asking for more information. Uh, Plum, I'm just going to send this straight to you because uh, this is all stupid to me. And and here's why. Uh, last I checked, we're at 177,000 people who have died from COVID-19. Um, a stupid number of people who have been infected. Uh, community spread is still writ large. Uh, I'm confused how they're confused why sports got canceled. So tell me <laughs> why they're big mad and why they're dumb as hell. Counselor, I believe this is a leading <sighs> objection overruled. These people <laughs> are embarrassing. They're embarrassing to themselves and they should be embarrassing to their children who I have to assume are treating them like most high schoolers do when their parents try to speak up at the board of education meeting. Like, (laughs) Oh, please don't. Um, the first thing that strikes one is that they don't actually know what they want. Their demand letter or open letter, whatever you call it is both poorly formatted and very poorly worded, but it, it even within its own letter, it's moving the goalposts. First, ostensibly, they want their children to be safe, but they don't really. They want them to play football. And then after that, when they realize that couldn't happen, now the the conversation and the criticism goes not so much to form, I'm sorry, to substance as it does to form. Now their concerns are, well, we weren't kept in the loop and, well, we don't have access to the evidence. What evidence do you need? I guess I failed to see how your expertise in any of this matters at all, or whether given any evidence, you would be in any position whatsoever to overrule or assumedly in their mind, acquiesce to what the Big Ten is going to do. What's sad to me is that uh, is is that the commissioner felt like he had to even sort of preempt what he knew was coming. Um, 
these people don't have anything in terms of others' best interest at heart. The best I can tell them, and I imagine the, the best that I can say for them and the best that I can imagine that Kevin Warren can say for them is that on some level they really do love their children and they in their mind want what they believe is best for their kids. But that's about the most gracious reading you can do. This is what entitlement looks like, plain and simple, and it's embarrassing. Stop it. Sit down. <laughs> go night-night because you're acting foolish. So, uh, Greg, I, I know you had some thoughts about this, but I would also say, and I and and I'll give this to both of you, but I'll turn to Greg first. Isn't it fair though for us to say the Big Ten presumably has some of the best doctors, at least in academia, who have been working on this, right? That that did learn a thing or two, or had some thoughts at least at the, uh, about COVID. So. Mm-hmm. For those of us who are not advocating for them to play, which I think this podcast is firmly not in that camp, that we thought it was the responsible and right thing to do. But isn't yes. it reasonable for also, uh, us to also say, hey, guys, I just want to know what your doctors know. Like, I, I'm not asking you to change your mind. I don't want you to change your mind. But we don't have there's, – there's an evolving level of knowledge and so if you know things, I want to know them too. Yeah. All right. So here's here's a few things. One, the Big Ten commissioner desperately wants to play football, right? Like you, they all do. Way. They're all losing a stupid amount of money because of this. These university presidents desperately want to play football. Neither of those parties want this kind of criticism either. They're human and they're professionals. And a first year, uh, you know, director of the Big Ten, doesn't want to deal with this stuff. Now, there have been reports out of the Big Ten that they've identified, you know, hard issues from student athletes with COVID-19, but they have been I, I think through it's the back 15%, uh, 15%. Supposedly, supposedly from a study that's been buried by Ohio State. Well, so I got to think that these research institutions have some reason for not explicitly stating this is why, this is what we know, this is what our, our science is telling us. And it's either because it's not peer-reviewed or it doesn't meet some kind of standard, or there are other ramifications for it. Um, I'm guessing lawyers have been involved in what to say and what not to say. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there are loads of incentives to both play football and if you have a ironclad excuse not to, like the health and safety of your players, um, to use that, right? So there's got to be some substantial reason why why they're not. I, I think that's fair to say. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. The, okay. I mean, Leading I think question. you yeah, – no, but you brought this up before uh, we started recording, which is – I mean, this stuff's going to come out, right? I mean, it, yeah. it got FOIA to, to hell. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I mean, I think it's a fair criticism. Look, it's not a fair criticism to say we should play because again, yeah. I think you just look around the world, but it is a fair criticism to say the PAC 12 rolled this out differently and better. Oh yeah. Right? I think it's fair criticism. I, I think the big 10 made some mistakes. I think the big 10 is not perfect. I think college football has some issues that it needs to deal with. Obviously we talked 
we used to think that was a big deal. And we spent a lot of time on it in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but let me ask you this. Who in the hell are these parents that they, <laughs> they deserve this information? Now, if the students want to know what the medical information is, these are legal adults. These are legal adults right. who have yep. a an investment in the sport, who have an investment in their yep. safety. But who the hell are these parents? I didn't, stop. Sit down. You are not relevant. If your child needs to call you and vent, complain, seek advice, seek what's in the best for them, good. I hope you encourage them. I hope you give them a, a good, strong dose of loving kindness and maybe a little wake-up slap to how the real world works. But you sit your – we're not – this isn't – who are you people? <laughs> this is the worst kind of helicopter parenting that we all bemoan. But if this is where we're moving and we're going to continue to see people in the generation right ahead of us and God forbid our own generation protesting at the Big Ten Conference. By the way, if they were protesting because we were, we were going to play, then – with their kids in tow, I could maybe maybe understand because the 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 norm, the baseline is this is killing all of us. Playing right. in this environment is the wrong decision. Not playing is the abundance of caution decision. You are owed nothing. I don't know who you think you are. It's it's like parents. It's 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 as if they are parents who said, "When you cross the street, please do not look both ways." Why? Why bother? Like, just <laughs> like we need to know your science for why looking both ways is, it, is it, the correct. It, it is a parent approach. that that sees uh, school buses attach the stop sign that comes out and says, "Why are you doing?" Who that? told you to do that? It, it, who told you to put a stop sign on a bus? Like it. It, it is. It is insane. Um, so it, let's let's move to, to additional stupid, though, um, <laughs> because let's talk the SEC, um, <clears throat> who is clearly marching ahead with a decision to play football. I It was either uh, I believe it was A&M has 21 football players who have tested positive for covid and they are still practicing because who cares so this is a segment we're called uh, calling Bama considers changing their slogan from Roll Tide to COVID Tide. Um, Bama has over 500 students since coming back on campus who have tested positive. That's, uh, that's, not, that's an Today marks the that's today than, marks the third day of classes at Missouri, mm, which now has 228 active COVID nineteen cases. Yes, which is 0.7 percent of the student Woo! body. That's up from 159. That's up from 159 when they started the dashboard on Monday. That is two days after they started the dashboard. Pokemon, got to catch it all. All of it. <laughs> all of it. I'm still scarred from that from 2016. Sorry. Uh, please, please no more Pokemon references. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to make of this. I, I, I continue to float the idea completely morally bankrupt of do we do we pick an SEC team we're gonna root for? No, like we're not picking any SEC teams. No, I are, are I you gonna walk are, off the podcast? Yeah, are you, I have Plum here? It's fine. Uh, <laughs> That's why we brought yeah. Plum in. I'm Plum's the Greg, hedge. Greg's walking. Greg, uh, Greg, do you uh, do you think uh, you will watch football on Saturdays? I don't know. We I've got a. 
I got to work through that. You I'm leaning t- out right now. I'll be honest. I like I'm leaning out right now. It's it's morally repugnant. Yes. Right. Like, yes. It, it, and, and in particular, I think I would feel at least a little bit more at peace with it if if they had sent students home. I, I am honestly more morally comfortable with a bubble scenario with active testing and, you know, sort of quarantine protocols in place. And I know we're going to get mm-hmm. to the bubble in a second, but like I would I would at least feel, OK, you're doing this thing. There's a lot of questions about amateurism, but this feels like you're making better, better. Mm-hmm. public health decisions than whatever the hell it is you're doing right now. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm leaning out. I'm watching college football. And uh, I think the SEC should lean out from existing. Like this is <laughs> a disgrace. Um, Plum, uh, these are stats uh, related to public health. You have thoughts. I, I, what can I say that, the average Joe or Josephine can't read with their own eyes or if they are blind, couldn't read with Braille. These numbers, they speak for themselves. It's it is it's as if someone once told us that the way the virus spreads is by being in close contact with people who are symptomatic or even asymptomatic carriers of the coronavirus. I feel like I heard or read that somewhere before. And then I see (laughs) these news stories show up about college students, athletic teams, college football teams, and this uptick of viral uh, load and, and these cases spreading. So good for them, you know, good for them confirming what I read in the news. Folks talk a lot about fake news. We don't always know what's true, but God bless Nick Saban and the absolute imbeciles at the University of Alabama for just demonstrating what we always knew was the case. The real rub here is going to be when they don't change a darn thing. And why should they, you know, because COVID tied, that's what we're here for. Good for them. Well, so... So, right. And and the the other side of the coin, though, is making the responsible decision. And that comes with its own set of consequences. So looking at the Big Ten in particular, uh, we'll start with Iowa. Iowa has uh, cut several sports. Men's gymnastics, men's and women's swimming, men's tennis have all been cut. And Iowa's apparently seeking or in the process of securing a $75 million loan to ensure that no additional sports are cut. Purdue, either today or yesterday, announced that the athletic director, the football head coach, Jeff Brom, the men's basketball head coach, Matt Painter, the women's basketball head coach, Sharon Bearsip, and uh, when I mentioned the athletic director, whose name is Mike Bobinski, uh, they've all taken (laughs) a voluntary salary reduction of 20% and are foregoing one year of any incentive compensation. They, along with others in the athletic department, are making contributions totaling $1 million to a fund they set up specifically to help the department navigate the financial hardships of COVID. So these are at least the first two schools. I know MSU has announced some some salary reductions, but these seem a little bit more severe on Purdue's front. Um, 
I, I mean, I, I don't know, Greg, I'll turn it to you first. Like, uh, do you, do you think this is going to propagate through the rest of the big 10? Um, and, and if so, let's bring it back to MSU. What do you for, foresee happening at MSU? Well, I mean, we've already seen some salary reductions in a lot of schools, right? Not to this extent, but MSU, I think has already announced some light salary reductions. Um, Purdue, it kind of surprises me that it's Purdue of everyone, because I know how much all these Big Ten teams are getting out of the Big Ten network, and then I know what Purdue's facilities and coaching situation is outside of Jeff Brom. And I just like, where's the money going? Like, well, well, like you guys are putting it in the stadium. What's going right. on? Right. I'm confused. Um, I, I think we're probably going to see some financial news about the Big Ten getting some kind of loan for its universities. Um, I, I'm expecting to see more of this. This is not done yet. Um, it's the, the financial reality of the situation, especially that football. Yeah, I would recommend, and, and I don't want to do a deep dive on it here, but Matt Brown, um, did, uh, do some sort of back of the napkin thoughts on that actually adding sports may be to your benefit in that, uh, not everyone on these non-revenue sports actually gets a scholarship or has a full right. one. Yep. So there's potential revenue there. Um, and, and frankly, the non-revenue sports don't cost that much. Like all the sports that Iowa just cut, um, give or take costs with absent coaching salaries, but give or take cost them, uh, I think $1.25 million. Cutting sports didn't save them a ton of money. Um, and that's just the cost. It, it doesn't account for whatever they made up in, in, in tuition and housing from, from some of the athletes. Um, and, and then additionally, this is a while back, but, uh, someone had reported that it, I'm, I'm curious about the loan situation only in that there is some thought from bankers that it would be better from, for athletic departments to actually borrow from the university itself on, you know, there's a certain amount of interest they have to to pay back to the university. But if you could borrow out, and I know endowments are tied to things, but if you could borrow out of the endowment that is technically a revenue generator for the university and, and the athletic department could probably weather that storm a little bit easier than getting it from a bank. Um, Browns, this well, isn't the Universities borrow from banks. Um, I mean, MSU bonds things all the time. So I, I think if the endowment were an option, that would be used in other ways. Um, I mean, these are smart financial institutions. I'm guessing that there's not going to be like someone that reads this article and is like, oh, the endowment. <laughs> oh, that's right. That four and a half billion dollars. We forget. Guys, the endowment <laughs> was there the whole time. Dumb. <laughs> All right. Well, so Plum, I want to turn it to you on a story, given your thoughts on, on, uh, and let's maybe not target at the particular athlete, but, uh, the first notable transfer out of a conference that is not playing football and hoping to land in a conference that is playing football has happened with offensive tackle, starting offensive tackle from UCLA, Jake Burton. Um, wants to play this year. And so I guess, you know, I don't 
I didn't do my research on what Jake's sort of draft stock is um, or, or draft prospects. But if you were someone who could get immediate eligibility and you had that paycheck at the end of the tunnel, but you thought you needed a season, I mean, this was inevitably going to happen, right? And so what do you think of the thought process? It, it's got to be a complicated decision for, for some of these athletes. It has to be. <clears throat> Listen, this is where I have the compassion. This is not, it's not for the parents. It's for the players because this kid's probably looking at, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Jake Burton, uh, who, who Jake Burton is compared to great flirting. But I'll tell you that I, I imagine like most, I mean, place for you, you see, uh, UCLA, right. Offensive tackle kids, huge, he probably had his sights on the horizon thinking he's going to go to the NFL. You you want the best for them. You understand that he's going to make a decision he thinks is, his, is in his best interest. Um, I think all of the public health evidence shows that it's not. But um, I, I have a lot of compassion for him. I think the mistake he's making is to think – and I, this is my own personal opinion, but I, I don't necessarily know um, that getting myocarditis – surviving it and then living with impaired cardio um, functioning for the rest of your life is going to set you apart from your peers in a competitive way in the NFL combine. If it will. (laughs) Well, the NFL combines also way more interested in Blake Flirton. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Uh, Oh God. So, you know, I think uh, take this for the grain of salt. NFL draft scout has a number 56 nationally among offensive tackles. So, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad. What I would tell you is it's not. Yeah. <laughs> what I would tell you is guys like him are going to make really tough decisions because they they want in the short term what they think is going to be best for their long term. And what we're seeing with COVID is there is no long term guaranteed. So, you know, and this is where you got to look at the SEC and you have to go shame on you because you're enticing players like this, the Big 12 as well. Yes. Yes. You're enticing yep. players to do this. And um, and you have a certain amount of cachet over their heads because you are the ticket theoretically. But I'll tell you, the NFL should come out right now and the NFL should say, we're not going to look any differently at these players or we're going to. I don't know what they could say theoretically, but but if the NFL wanted to get in responsible in a responsible position vis-a-vis the other power five conferences, namely the Big Ten, who are doing the responsible public health savvy thing, they'd make a statement that says this is this is unconscionable. And guys, you got to You got to stick it out. Yeah. Um, so we've been teasing the bubble for a hot minute now. And and so I'm going to lay some context and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll turn to Plum first. Greg, I'll bring it over to you later. But the, you know, college basketball does seem like it has a fighting chance of happening. And the this is, uh, you know, we, we've joked about Tom Izzo insisting a vaccine will be here in time for, for uh, college basketball season. That is unlikely. There was really exciting and encouraging news about a new test coming out um, shortly that uh, that could be promising for a quick turnaround. But what's most interesting about basketball versus football is that there seems to be more of a central figurehead, and that is Dan Gavitt. You remember Dan Gavitt, the son of the man Tom Izzo had to make a hostage video praising during last year's Gavitt games. He is the NCAA VP of basketball. Um, and fortunately he can corral a lot more cooperate cooperation, uh, than, than was allowed in football. So he sent out 
a series of proposals. We're not going to dive deep into each individual proposal on a start start date, but the idea being that, look, here are some options for when you can start practicing and here's when games would happen. And the, the whole idea being we're going to, we're going to play a season. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we're going to play a season and we're going to have a tournament. And I think some of it is conditioned upon a bubble. So Alex, why don't you kind of take it from there on how a bubble would work, why it might work in, in basketball, why maybe even basketball is a better sport to facilitate this than say football. Uh, I'll just, Turn it over to you and and what you know from your your public health background and and the work that you do on a day to day basis. Well, let me tell you from the start that I have been consistent in my opinion, and I think it's been borne out on consistent appearances on this pod dating back to March or April, that I did not and do not believe that football would or should be getting played. So I want to just be consistent that that has always been a no go for me. But I will tell you that bubbles can work. We have seen them work. And we particularly have seen really successful examples of bubbles working with basketball, such to the point that I'm going to say it here first. I think we're going to get a college basketball season in, and I think it's going to happen with a bunch of bubble boys. So take it, take it from me. I'm putting it down on the pod today, August 26th, the year of our Lord, 2020. Now, Let's start with the sport that should always lead, soccer. They have demonstrated in – okay, how dare you? That, there goes the whole listenership. Just I heard everyone X out. <laughs> Jokes on them. They downloaded the pod. All right. Um, the, uh, the NWSL, National Women's Soccer League. Uh, oh, my God. They're double gone. The two that were okay, left. Sexist, and I won't hear it. I won't stand for it, and I won't be party to it. It's not me. I'm yeah, still here. It's it the is. audience. Uh, virus free after a month long tourney in Utah, the major league soccer MLS, not a single positive test since July 10th. And that's in Florida. They were in Florida, virus free in Florida. That's like every single MS player winning the lottery twice. Um, <laughs> the NBA has been in a bubble. The WNBA has been in a bubble. July 13th, July 9th, respectively. No cases. We're talking a month and a half, in some cases almost two months for all of these teams. Think about the number. And this isn't just the players. These are their entire programs. These are the logistics. These are the, the support staff, coaching, all of the ancillary auxiliary staff that has to come and fill out the whole piece. One of them gets sick. That's a ding. This isn't just not getting sick. This is and, – and then going – this isn't just getting sick and going into being sequestered. This is – not getting sick at all because the truth is you can have one or two people get sick be quarantined have consistent testing as long as you are monitoring you've got standardized protocols for testing and ongoing engagement you can control this by identifying early positives quarantining them keeping them away from the rest of your team and moving forward what we're seeing in some bubbles is a hundred percent perfection what I'm telling you is you don't even need 100% perfection, and you can still do it if you just follow very elementary public health practices. And that's what a bubble provides. The rub here is the athlete and coach discipline and dedication that is required to sort of, if you'll excuse me, not break the seal. Because if you've ever blown a little bubble before and you've seen it floating away, the lightest breeze and that thing pops. 
it will not take much for the bubble to implode in and on, in on itself. And so you have to be doing more than just the public health preparedness, the monitoring, the testing, the tracking of any outbreak that might take place. You've got to be taking care of these guys' emotional stress, the sadness and frustration from not being with family, especially over the holidays. Because if a bubble's going to work, it means if you're starting in November or December, you're not going home for Thanksgiving. You're not going home for Christmas. You're not going home for New Year's. Because as soon as you're out of it, the whole thing is done. Um, it's expensive. Logistics, pulling all the staff together, big rosters, all the materials that you need, the housing costs. The great news is as wonderful leading land grant institutions like Michigan State are demonstrating that you can go completely remote, completely virtual. That is completely in line with what the academic environment needs to be for these guys so that they're both getting a strong, rigorous student experience excellent educational opportunities uh, available to them while also doing this thing that they're passionate about, that they're built for, that gives them meaning in their lives. You can do both. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how we see more student leadership rise to the core. I'm just saying it's going to be a lot of work, but we've seen it can happen. So a couple things there. One, this assumes that they're going to a centralized location, right? So this would be like the whole Big Ten goes to Indianapolis and takes up you know, the, the convocation center or whatever it's called for a month. Right. Um, I don't think that's what they're talking about. I think they're talking about doing like uh, dedicated weekends or, or long weekends or something like that, where generally the teams are on campus, but they'll have specified times where they'll all meet up and play one another in rapid succession is a model like that sustainable plum. I think so. I, I, I think it is. I think that you, again, you can do that. It can happen. It is sustainable. Um, it is a question of will. Where there is a will, there is a way. We have the public health science. We have the resources. It's simply a question of, of steely determination and self-respecting and group-respecting discipline. Okay. Yeah, it, it, and it seems to me that it... it it, it, it seems unlikely that they would centralize in one location for it. To your point, Greg, uh, it, it seems like, you know, why don't we do a whole bunch of, you know, mini tournaments mm -hmm. or, or sort of round robins or whatever, you know, we're going to, we're going to all head to Minneapolis and we're just going to pound out a few games, you know, uh, three games at a weekend. And it, it's not an ideal scenario for a variety of reasons but if you can if you can get some sort of level of rapid testing, make sure people are isolated for the weekend going into the game and then just, you know, play, 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 play and then head back to campus, stay on campus, do your practicing, yada, yada, yada. That that's again, it is if we look back at what the Big Ten has said and what we've all known all along is it, it is it is very much contingent upon being able to get adequate testing results quickly enough which it sounds like there's hope on the horizon about that. Indeed. So the last thing that's sort of bubble related, and I, I don't know that we're going to talk about it much here before we move on, but is that the NBA has decided to, um, the teams have collectively decided to not play games today. Uh, it started with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks um, who decided not to play. And uh, instead of taking a W, the Orlando Magic, it refused to accept the W in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I, it, it, it's, 
it's starting to feel a little bit like school shootings, which is, I, I don't know how much more I can say. I don't, ha I don't have good words for it anymore. Other than, um, I will just talk about it in the sports context, which is, uh, what the teams did today. And then what the brewers and the, the reds did, um, it is a level of bravery that says, I'm not, I'm not going to be here for your satisfaction right now because that's not what's most important. And I think that's commendable. Um, and people who want to get pissy about it, whatever. Uh, They're not the only ones I'm seeing reports that, uh, that some baseball teams might not be playing is, I mean, recording yeah, and I'm trying Brewers to and the reds it. decided yeah. to play. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's a big deal. It's Lions big deal. didn't practice yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um and and so uh you know, I I, I or we tweeted this earlier today. Um but I would stand by it, which is that uh we we love sports quite a bit. Um but athletes are people first. And so at at first we need to celebrate their humanity. And and that means lifting up all voices yes. and uh, and and that saying resoundingly Black Lives Matter and that if they um, if they can exercise a modicum of power to say this can't continue, um, that should be celebrated and revered, respected, amplified. Use your verb to say we need more and this needs to stop. What 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 is happening in the world needs to stop, and and we're here for that as a podcast. So here, here. Um, with that, because uh, there's never a good segue out of this stuff, because it's just <laughs> terrible. Um, let's head to our last real sponsor, which is from Brandon Sands. Uh, Brandon Sands is, of course, a mortgage loan originator, and he's the mortgage loan originator for you. He is a dear friend of the pod, having closed over 10,000 loans, working for one of the largest mortgage lenders in the country that is guaranteed rate. Brandon wants to let you know that mortgage rates are near, very near historical lows because you, yokels who did not reach out to him when we said they were the lowest, you missed out. You missed out. But they are still really very, very low. So if you happen to be in the market to buy a home or you have a current mortgage and you're looking to refinance because you're perhaps paying 4% or higher. You've got some debt you want to consolidate. Whatever the case may be, Brandon is the guy to call. He will sit down with you, have a consultative conversation. It is a no fee, no obligation conversation. Just try and figure out what the right product might be for your situation. And, uh, and, and he's true to that word. Uh, he is not an obligation situation. So, if you want to reach out to Brandon, you can find him at rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. And then you guys want to add to that ad read? Booyah. <laughs> Nailed it. Great. So uh, we are going to head to a new segment. We're going to spend a ton of time on it uh, because that's not the point of it, but it's called Sports with a Z, Terms with a Z 101. No dumb questions, just dumb hosts. Uh, so we invited people to send in sports-related questions about terminology, scheme, tactics, culture, etc. They didn't know what it meant. Uh, we, we said send it to our direct messages on Twitter. 
we didn't say it on Twitter because uh, trolls, but you can, of course, email us at can't read, can't write 1855 at gmail.com. That's can't read, can't write 1855 at gmail.com. No apostrophes, folks, because we can't read, can't write. Uh, the idea being that there's no dumb question. Uh, the more sports literacy everyone has, uh, the more they can enjoy the game, be a sophisticated viewer, and participate in this podcast. So we got a ton of great questions at, this, uh, at the jump, but I uh, want to start with this one today, which is, what is the weak side defense? Now, gentlemen, I do believe, uh, based on some context clues, that this was in reference to football. But in case it's about basketball, uh, in basketball, that generally means the side of the court that is opposite whatever side the ball is on. So like if you drew, you know, from from hoop to hoop, a line Mm -hmm. is the side that the the ball is not on. Uh, But in football, this is different. So, Greg, you want to give a quick rundown on on sort of what the weak side defense is. And then maybe I can chat a little bit about what a prototypical I'm going to send a diploma on what he thinks a prototypical player is on that side. Uh, And then uh, and then I will actually say what it is. Oh my God. Are you putting me on the spot with this? I, I thought, and I'm going to appear foolish if this isn't true. Uh, I thought it was the side where there are, so there's 11 players on the field on, on a defense. Um, yes. I thought it was you're, the side, you're, you're the, on track. the, the five players lined up on that's the weak side. It's usually the short side because of the, the two hashes. Um, generally speaking, it'll, it'll be the, the short side as well. Um, Am I so it's wrong it's about that? no 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 it, it's it, the tight end is the key indicator so okay um you know on an offensive line you have a center uh you have two offensive guards that are right next to the center and then outside of those two offensive guards are the offensive tackles right you tend to have a tight end that lines up on one side of those offensive tackles gotcha and so whatever side the tight end is on is the strong side your weak side is the opposite side of that. Uh, usually you will see that with you have a free safety and a weak side linebacker that will line up sort of opposite the offensive guard on the side that does not have the tight end. Um, Plum, uh, I know you had some thoughts on what a weak side linebacker might be. Well, I, uh, and this is the little known, little known, but I think it's important that we, we, you know, we, uh, we honor and acknowledge our history. Um, in high school, high schools everywhere, you always have that young man, uh, waifish, twinkish, if you'll, if you'll allow the term, who <laughs> trying to prove something to his, to his daddy and his uncles and, uh, you know, uh, thinks he can make it on the, uh, on the offensive line, he can't. He can't. But, uh, <laughs> but that side that he lines up on is is known as the weak side, and uh, and teams, teams identify that and exploit it, and that's um that's where the term comes from. That we that is absolutely yeah. Right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna do full okay. stop. Uh, so you, <laughs> your your weak side linebacker actually tends to be maybe your most athletic person on the defense. Agree or disagree? I uh, guess that's fine. Yeah. That person uh, is, you know, your your middle linebacker, your strong side linebacker are are usually on run stopping assignments. So they're going to get up in the grill of the offensive line. Uh, your weak side person needs to be able to run sideline to sideline. Same with a free safety who 
has some run-stopping responsibilities, but is largely going to be drawn back into coverage to to pick up a a wide receiver um, to to help support a a cornerback who gets uh, you know blows a coverage. Uh, those 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 two players tend to be fastest and usually lighter than their counterparts. Uh, so you did get that piece right, Plum. Uh, you you got. I don't know that I'd go wayfish, but well, uh, you're you're in the blowing ball. coverages. That's not the only thing. <laughs> oh, uh, in the future, we should see if we can get uh, we can get you know a guest spot uh, for this segment. See if we can get Urban Meyer on from his boat with uh, sure with his, with his, with his drinking buddies. Uh, yeah, with his with his uh, friends uh, to uh, yeah. so. Um, that was a great question. Uh, I want to say yeah. again, DMs are open on Twitter. So if you've got a sports question, it really is like, look, it, I'm not even saying we had this nailed down beforehand. It is a, if there is a, a piece of sports literacy that, that maybe for whatever reason is escaping you terminology, I, I, we don't care as long as it's sports related, we're happy to dive into it or ask people who know the answer to it. So or life related, you know, why not? I, I think that's what Twitter questions are for. Uh, so let's head to Twitter questions on that note and start with Dan Hellpepper, who first starts with the question, and I'm going to say this is a, a round robin here. Have you ever been to the UP? Plum, I'll start oh with Oh my you. God, where I'll, the greatest pasties in the world, Grams, in Escanaba, I'll have you know. <laughs> cool. So that's a Great. yes. Uh, also, a yes for me. But I'm more of a, a smoked fish kind of guy. Passies are fine. But uh, yeah. Oh. All, All right. Fish. I've been once. It's fine. fine? Uh, that, wow. Ooh. Middle. Yeah. yeah you're fired you're from out. the pod. <laughs> I like how Greg is. I like how Plum is the only surviving. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Uh, Greg, I'm going to send this to you. If you can move any football player to a different era, slash year other than the one that they played who would you move uh what um like a like a player out of his time uh yeah, so like who's... i think of the 2013 team like what could you have done could you have moved someone there to make that offense better oh i don't have a good answer for this plum you guys uh drew Neitzel to 2019 just because i miss him 2021 can i can i move him ahead in football oh boy well i can't can't read can't read so you want me to say what do you want me to say um i maybe would have moved uh i don't know like a The problem with football is unlike basketball, you can have these thought experiments where you're like, if this team only had this one piece, it would have gone all the way. Whereas in football, it is much more team oriented. And especially in college, it's difficult for me to be like, with this one guy, things would have been way different. I mean, it, it, but, different. It, but you could have, uh, you could pick a, um, uh, I don't know, like a an Andre Risen or someone to to swing over to 2013, and you could have been like that team might have been natty material. I mean, here's a question: What if Stanton had played for Mark D'Antonio? I mean, is that not an unfair question? I mean, the the world is not just enough 
for some reason. <laughs> Drew Stanton must must go down as as someone who uh, had an unfulfilled prophecy. Yeah. Um, it's also you, like, what would we have had during John L era if not Drew Stanton? Like those were already dark times. Can you imagine the depths? That we would have suffered without. Drew. He was a he was a harbinger of 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 that we deserved better things. There, there you go. And the, and those a yes. source of hope, uh, a light in the darkness. Yes, it, <laughs> yes, yes. He was. Uh, are you quoting Kimberly Guilfoyle right now? The best um, idiot. <laughs> oh my God, Greg's gonna have a terrible time with those levels. Sorry. Uh, all right. Uh, Plum, I'm going to send this to you. What numbers did you wear when you played sports? And was there any significance there? Travel soccer played 27. It's my lucky number, but the numbers didn't go that high in high school. So I wore 10 because it's a nice, even number. Great. I don't remember my numbers because they had no relevancy to me. What Great. You? Uh, I was 16 in hockey because uh, Joe Montana was my favorite uh, pro sports player growing up. And uh, then I took four when 16 was not available in high school baseball because square root. So cool. Super cool. Super, super cool. All right, moving on to Taylor Anderson. Uh, This is kind of a repeat of a question that was asked before. Sorry, like Tom was sure to point that out. Uh, Plum. What's what's the most stereotypical Michigan slash Midwest thing you do on a regular basis? Say, oh, 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 yep. oh, oh, oh. That's exactly what Anytime I'm, I'm anywhere where I might have any accidental interaction with another human being, like passing somebody in a supermarket aisle. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, just gonna, oh, yeah, oh, oh. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> as rust belt as it gets right there. Do you guys say pop? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, what's wrong We're with you? All right, let's move done. on. Uh, next question. What's your mass produced? Uh, so non craft beer of choice. Great question, Taylor. I like this one. Plum, I'm going to send it to you first again because you guys agreed. Last time. I'm going to tell you that I actually this past weekend had a little bit of Labatt Blue and I really, really enjoyed it. So, oh, my God, Plum, that was also mine. <laughs> but I can't take it. So I'm going to go. Champagne and beer. Great. Great choice. Uh, I'm a Miller Lite guy, uh, but champagne comes in a close second. Um, Greg, what's your favorite non-revenue college sport? Uh, It's got to be baseball. Head on down to the stadium. Be a little late. Just take a spot in the stands. Come and go as you please. It's got to be baseball. Right? I mean, I would go hockey, but Plum, what's your answer? I think we all know it's soccer, but that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> Most important question from Taylor is I'm running out of ideas here. So preferred taco fillings. Greg, you're up. Cheese? What? No. Chorizo. Like, That's not even, this isn't next. Next question. There's one you, answer. You mean carnitas? There's carnitas. Okay. It's chorizo. All right. That's like a breakfast taco. It's That's not. It's, it's a very anyway. nice, very tasty Mexican sausage, and it can be prepared a number of ways. Come to Mexican Town in Detroit, and I'll take you there. It's We're done. That's it. Okay. All right. Uh, Sorry Like Tom is up next. She asks, I'm only two days into new grad school or grad student orientation, and I already want to crawl under a blanket with a bottle of wine for the rest of the semester, which leads to my question. 
What's your preferred way to throw yourself a pity party? I will answer first. It is to check the number of listens our most recent podcast has. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, usually drinking. Um, uh, plum, uh, pity party, go. Uh, going to bust out the uh, keels. We're going to do a nice little face mask for myself as I turn mm. the lights low. Obviously, I'm grabbing that bottle of wine, and we're going to be watching one of uh, the master the maestro, Hayao Miyazaki, one of his beautiful, perfect Studio Ghibli anime films. That is how I'm going to take care of myself uh, when the doldrums of the winter come. So I might suggest this. You know, I was I was with you with Keels and Wine, uh, which after the pod, we can talk about some face products that I want to recommend to you. But Greg, let's head over to you. I think you guys nailed it. I mean, Plum keeps strumming my pain with his fingers over there. Uh, singing my life with these words, killing me softly. So. You with the anime too? Uh, sure. Why not? This isn't this okay. isn't this Great. isn't your mother's anime. I like how of those two things you were like, well, of course, the face products, yes, <laughs> but the anime. You know what my wife does. All right, let's move on to the next question from story like Tom. Do you have any memorable TAs, and exactly how unprepared did they seem for the job? I have some thoughts on this question, but Greg. What do you got? I cede the floor to you. Well, no, I actually want to hear yours. I think you, you really seem confident about this. Oh, no. So I actually, uh, I had a TA for one of my English classes that I became friends with, uh, after the fact we were, you know, could not be friends during, um, uh, during the, you know, course of the, the semester, but, uh, later on, uh, we would go to Theo's, uh, do our studying. And I would say she seemed as prepared as someone would be for a 201 class. Like, I mean, how prepared do you have to be? I think the truth is no one is prepared. And the better truth is that the college students themselves don't even know how to define the word preparation. So it's all about confidence. If, if you, if you literally could just spend some time glossing over the chapters ahead of the class, you will be light years ahead of 98% of the rest of the students. And the one kid that knows more than you do won't need your help. They will be sure to ask you for help, but then you just have to dismiss them curtly. Oh, I don't think you need my help, Jillian. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, I think uh, BS pontificating gets you a long way in college. Uh, Fake it till you make it, Sawyer Like Tom. That's what we do on this podcast. Uh, last question for Story Like Tom is, what language should I learn? I did not click the link, but apparently grad school will cover her learning a new language, and Icelandic was on the list, so it must be quite extensive. Greg, uh, what language should Story Like Tom learn? Well, obviously, the world will be a utopia if she chooses Esperanto, so that will be the one. Uh, and it'll bring all of us together. It's perfect. Sorry, like time, you should definitely learn Esperanto. And then Love we'll it. all learn as well. And then we'll all be better people and everything will be fixed. All right. Moving on to John Hubbard. The devil approaches you and you say and says he can guarantee you a major MSU championship every year, but only for as long as you can live with one of the following. You must either talk like Dickie V, think like Dan Dockich, or have the timing of Will Tingen. Oh what do you cho- what do you choose? Plum, I'll send it to you first. He's got it. I would absolutely take the the timing of Will Teeman, if for no other reason than I would try to talk like him too. It'd be a twofer. And 
I can't imagine how disappointing it would be for everyone else in my life. <laughs> I think that's the I, answer, but uh, Greg, you got a different thought? No, I think I would get fired from my job with any of these three. <laughs> I'm going to take talking like Dickie V just because I already hate all the people around me and I want to just torture them even more. In fairness, um, though, if we're getting continual championships, it might be a boon for the podcast. Yeah. And then you know, just deal with it. Uh, next up from John is last week. You said Tucker will have some hybrid positions. Are you telling me the bandit is coming back for those bandit. who don't know the bandit was a hybrid position from John L. Smith's era. It was a, I believe a linebacker uh, safety hybrid position. Yep. Correct. Uh, um, we had a famous bandit on the team whose name is escaping me, but anyway, uh, John was Sir Darian Adams. uh, Yes. uh, The bandit. Yes. Sir Darian was the bandit. That's correct. Um, John. uh, Yes, we will have a bandit uh, like role coming back as, as well as potentially an additional one. If we eventually move to a three, four system. Um, Next question from John, who will betray who first and start a spinoff podcast with Alex Plum. Greg, this is for you. I mean, obviously, neither of us. We we brought him here to specifically avoid this. We definitely aren't already in advanced discussions on this very topic. Uh, wait, at what? All. Nothing. No. Nothing. Moving on. So next up from John Hubbard, uh, wait, 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 is wait, Jonesy confident that he that his experience as a lawyer will get him through an interview with the FBI when they come ask him about his obsession <laughs> with teenage boys? <laughs> Listen, John, all the videos I watch of teenage boys are posted on reputable websites. Just because I look at their pictures, look at their videos, watch extensively until I'm completely through with them. I don't see the point. Anyway, moving on. Raymond Chains is up next. (laughs) What is the name of your QAnon sister podcast? Greg, this is, I believe, your bit first. So what do you got? I mean, the obvious answer is MSQ, right? (laughs) Aw, that was nice. I like that. All right. That's cute. That's cute. I like that. Anyone else? Anything? Uh, Nope. Nope. I I don't have anything. MSU Anon? I don't know. Oh, that's good. I like that, too. That's why we're spinning off and doing our own sister podcast. Next up from Raymond Chains. What? Wait, what? What? Say more. Do you think MSU baseball will be around post-pandemic or has that well run dry? Uh, Mr. Plum. Uh, Speaking of dry wells, uh, I actually don't have anything to say about that. No, no. uh, MSU baseball will definitely be around post-pandemic. MSU is not going to cut any of its big sports because – it cares too much about the quality of life for the student athletes and for the strong traditions of Spartan athletics across sports, be they revenue or none. So yeah, it'll be around. Yeah. I I think they're actually making room for uh, a better MSU baseball facility by filling in currently as we speak, the uh, swimming facilities (laughs) at MSU. So um, (laughs) anyway, next up from Raymond chains is this week on the D'Antonio show. A mysterious stranger offers Coach D one last Big Ten championship, but explains cryptically the price will be steep. Or Coach D has a meltdown at Walmart when a Michigan fan refuses to put on a mask. Greg, 
What's next in the D'Antonio show? I love this idea of D'Antonio selling his soul. Uh, I like that he's like stroking his uh, his his Rose Bowl um, hat or sweatshirt or whatever. And then a man just sort of appears behind him. I think this can happen in the Walmart right after he has this uh, this confrontation with the Michigan fan. That all resolves itself, and then he turns around, and then this mysterious figure uh, just like appears out of a you know clothing rack or something. Uh, I think it's genius. Or a Walmart and, uh, dressing room. Or that. And uh, I can't wait to see where this, uh, this week's episode is going to go. Does it take on a supernatural vibe? I like it. Um, all right. Uh, last question from Raymond is, how about a minute of hate? We haven't had any lately. I would say first, uh, we'll reappropriate it to minute of anger, because uh, I think we're firmly in a no hate space. But I think we've all gotten a little heated at one point or another. Does anyone have some anger to spew? For one yeah, minute? I'm going to go back to the Big Ten parents again. I don't think I've had enough yet. <laughs> I really can't with them, with the entitlement, with the fact. And again, you know, I'm going to just make. Um, well, I'm going to ask some questions. Is it true? Do parents still get to reap the uh, the 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 uh, pay off the dividend of uh, illegal gifts or briberies or what have you from certain unscrupulous Big Ten coaches who shall not be named if the teams aren't playing? Uh, do they get the jobs for themselves and their friends and family members, the new cars, and everything else? Could that be what's driving these people to be so angry at Kevin Warren that there is no season and they're not going to get the spill-offs that are rightly belong to their children, their kids, the ones who's without whose name, image, and likeness, without whose strength and aptitude, without whose commitment and dedication to the craft is what actually is bringing in all the attention, is actually what's letting them relive their glory days these people are pathetic. And I think there's a lot of really uh, diligent, astute questions that should be and maybe could be and asked about them. <sighs> All right. That was good. That was a good minute of hate. That was one of our better ones. Yes. Uh, next up is CT and TC. <laughs> uh, Why did you change recording days? Well, um, uh, you just heard a minute of it. Um, it... <laughs> I I will say I have been wanting to move off of Mondays. Uh, they are a little much with uh, work and whatever. Um, and then we had thought that it might be nice to have Alex on more regularly. So at least so long as COVID is around. Uh, so indefinitely. And, uh, and maybe from time to time, give one of us a break, particularly when it just is a little exhausting out there. So. Uh, we moved for Alex is the, the short answer. And then partly for me and then partly because Greg has his D and D days on Tuesdays. So, uh, Thursdays. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, next question from CT and TC, uh, best seats you've ever had at a sporting event. Uh, Greg, I would turn to you, but somehow I don't think you'll actually provide the answer that is true. So plump. I mean, the answer is floor seats at the final. Oh my God. You too. 2009. Yeah. Oh, Oh, what fun. We oh, get to have this moment this again. Moment. Where the two this is of us... my favorite moment. Yeah. What about you, Jonesy? Have you ever, ever had floor seats at wow. the Final Four? Are we putting an explicit rating on this episode? Because I have some <laughs> words for the both of you. Uh, I actually, I was, I was all prepared to say that I was uh, pretty fortunate growing up because of um, parents' jobs 
that uh, I got some pretty enviable seats, uh, particularly when my mom worked for a sports retail company. Um, so I've done my fair share of boxes. I but I think the best one was fifty yard line, like ten rows up at Notre Dame. Um, yeah, it? but then you had to watch a Notre yeah. Dame game. So. Yeah, and it was against Michigan, so it was a whole giant. Mm. Like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Let them all lose. Yeah, it's icky. How also, do you root for a tornado? It's it's weird. Box seats, great for other elements. Not the best way to watch a game, though. All right, fine. I've had blue line, you know, a few goes. I just want to go back to the. I want to go back to the floor seats that Greg and I both had. Because like, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, that. in two thousand five, uh, freshman year. Uh, fresh. Year. All right. We drove down to St. Louis and we drove overnight. And when we got to the hotel where they were distributing them, it looked to us. Next question is, if you told your 18-year-old self you can go to any Big Ten school that's not MSU and things like tuition are no issue, where would you go? And no, the answer is unequivocally not U of M. That's not part of the question. That wasn't part of the question, but I think we all understand that. Uh, For me, it would be like a Northwestern or Indiana, maybe. What do you guys think? I probably would go Penn State. Oof. Yeah, I think I would go Penn State. Uh, I every every Big Ten school, maybe Minnesota. Lord, no one's going to Minnesota. You're in this. You're in the. You're in the Twin Cities. Then that's not how any of this works. Uh, Some of us, some of us, were admitted to every Big Ten school we applied to, and still chose Michigan State, not because of tuition, but because of the quality of the education. Tuition be damned. Okay, we would still be going to the green and white. Thank you. Hey, uh, we get it. You've said through word choice that you're smart mm. uh, throughout the podcast. So. Yeah, just to make you feel bad. <laughs> did you? Did you? Why don't you? Why don't you rattle off your list? Mm-hmm. I don't want to make you feel bad. Suffice it to say. Suffice it to say that Michigan State was the hands down winner. Okay. Uh, all right. Last question from CTNTC is favorite tr- type of tree. Greg, uh, you're a tree of your own sort. <laughs> I, I just assumed this was a marijuana question. Place up trees. Wow, CT. there it is. <laughs> all right. I guess we're not answering this one. Plum, do you have a favorite? Tree? Does anyone have a favorite? I do. Tree? Like I just planted one in the front yard. It is a. Uh, it's a, like a weeping cherry tree. It's called a snow fountain. Beautiful tree. Mm. Uh, I like a dogwood and a redwood. So that's my list. I like a uh, Dag Woods bar burger. Uh, all right. E-list. Moving on. This is really coming off the rails. B list. If you could be the king of any country, which country would you rule? Plum, <laughs> you're a political theory person. Uh, okay. Well, there's a lot of baked in colonialism into that question. And I just want to unpack that for the next half an hour, probably, if we have the time. Uh, if we don't, I will. We do not. Okay. Well, then I'll just say, uh, oh, God, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. Any any answer is colonial except for the United States, uh, and I don't want to be the king of this country. What if you picked a country that already has a kingdom that could use less kingdom? Oh. Or is that colonial? No, I don't think so. So then maybe... So say a Saudi Arabia, and then you just say, I'm not king oh, anymore. That's a good answer. I like it. that. I'd probably take England then just for the like pomp and circumstance of it. <laughs> All right. Greg, you got an answer? Uh, no, I think Great. you guys covered it. Next question is one that we will not actually probably do unless <laughs> someone has it at the oh ready. My. 
The next question is, can you please read aloud five lines of your choosing from Cardi B and Megan the Stallion smash it? Wap. Um, can we go, can no. we go back to the explicit rating really <laughs> fast? Nope. Uh, next up from B list is at can't read, can't write's first live event. Everyone realizes how long winded Jonesy is without Greg's editing. <laughs> uh, the at the upper deck jerk guy is uh, frequent belches make everyone a little uncomfortable. Plum Alex leaves his hand on Greg's thigh an extra second and folks are whispering. Story like Tom takes the mic and monologues for a while. Mama Maple Leaf brings cookies. Some call me coach. That's Taylor Anderson's kid is crying. And B lists North Korea jokes just don't land the same in person. And all the while, Zill is standing in the back with her arms crossed, slowly shaking her head. This is not a question, but is a fair account of probably what are Speaking of uh, strumming my pain. And I just want to apologize to Sam Zill right now on the front end. Uh, (laughs) There'll be a lot more apologizing to do in the future, I'm sure. That's great. All right, next up is the Epidectric Guy. Can you rank question askers not by the quality of their questions, but how annoying they are? Are you just that desperate, Epidectric Guy, to win? (laughs) Yeah. Next question from the Epidectric Guy. Has Coach Mel Ducker created new rivalries for us in Colorado and the Rutger? Greg, did you see the Rutger explosion? Oh, I'm aware of uh, of our newfound rivalry with Rutgers. Uh, I, do we remain the only Big Ten team that hasn't lost to Rutgers in football there or basketball? <clears throat> Checks notes. Yes, that is oh, correct. Oh, yeah. All right. So not much for rivalry, you know, because if a team hasn't beaten another team in a really long time, there's no rivalry there. So, And uh, while we don't mean to make light of poverty, uh, we cannot relate to Colorado's nice. poverty status. There it is. Um, so, yep. Uh, next question. How does Grick <laughs> live with himself day in and day out? Grick, I send it over to you. Uh, it's, it's, it's not easy to predict your guy. I did like that there was another live show from a different podcast, and he did ask them, who is the worst co-host in Spartan podcasts and why is it? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, I wouldn't even say that name. How dare you, went, Upper Deck Shirt Guy? I did, I did listen to that podcast, and that question did not come up, and I'm quite certain <laughs> it's because they didn't want to give credit to our podcast. Um, next question from the Upper Deck Shirt Guy is, I'm thinking about creating a service that sends dog turds to people. If I did, how much would you pay, and who would you send it to first? Plum, I will send this one to yeah, you. I'm getting a puppy in a few weeks here, and so I think I just crib the service and send my own dog turds to the people I don't like. Um, and I'd probably send one each to the university or the, uh, uh, big 10 parents who are, uh, quite deserving of said, uh, canine fecal waste. Very good. I think, uh, I think I would send one to Kirk Ferentz hmm. only cause I think he would be deeply confused. Fine. Good I don't point. think he would get it. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. Scorn. It'd just be the look of like, what? Hmm. Be like, hmm. is this an accessory for my pink locker room? Hmm. Um, we'll move on to Elin Bloom. First question: Bubble, bubble, tool and trouble. I don't know if that's a typo from Toil and Trouble. Obviously, a play on Shakespeare. But uh, anyone have an too good a question to... for this pod? Yeah, too that's too highbrow. 
Uh, Elin Bloom, we appreciate the thought. Uh, Shakespeare, no place here. Um, next question from Elin Bloom is, will MSU basketball restore our collective sanity or will it drive us further into uh, insanity this year? Well, we just got a shot of confidence from our resident uh, public health expert. Take right? it. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> call it now. Pre-bacon wire. If anyone says bacon wire, call this first. They're yeah, wrong. We call that's it right. First. Uh, last question from Elon Bloom. Do you think COVID is worse than a zombie apocalypse because you still have all of your other responsibilities? This feels like a public health question. Alex, what do you think? Uh, no, it's definitely not worse than a zombie apocalypse, uh, because you still have full control of your faculties. So, you know, but if you weren't a zombie yet, uh, oh, I see. What you would at least be able to quit your job. Uh, yeah, uh, there's. We don't have a. It, listen, if if we are, it's impossible to have a vaccine, and this thing does not abate, and it, there's no stopping it. Then that'll be worse because we'll just be looking in the uh, into the void head on. So uh, I'm still holding on to the hope. Great. All right. Next up and last up is Nick Kamansky. Solid first question, and I, I think this is worthy yeah, of... Yeah, I, I read ahead. These questions make me uncomfortable. It's like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, what's he setting up here for next week? <laughs> yes, my concern. Because he, uh, he is competing with CT for uh, best troll from the Wolverines. But uh, first question is, uh, what are your three favorite memories from your time in the stands at Spartan Stadium? What I'm going to do, what I think we should do here uh, and for the next question is, Greg, I'm going to send this one to you first. Um, you can say your piece. Uh, Plum, I'll send it to you if you have an additional one or, you know, if you've got an, an add-on. And then I'll, I'll come in if I've got a different one as well. So, Greg, what are your fe- three favorite memories from your time in the stands at Spartan State? Oh, I thought you were just going to do one uh, for each of the three of us. And I know that yours is going to be the rain against Notre Dame. Mine is my all-time favorite moment in Spartan Stadium history is when they called the Wisconsin win, the rocket play. Uh, That was just bananas. That was out of control. And that's Mm -hmm. it's never been as good as that after or before. Uh, Plum, is there anything? I just, I, to I'm going to just say I, it's just deeply personal, but my very first game at Spartan Stadium, the first game of our freshman year, mm, I, I still remember exactly yeah. how I felt. I still remember exactly what part of the end zone I was standing in with Lindsey Carl. I, I don't know exactly where I was and uh, I'll never not remember the like reality that I was in college at that moment experiencing that. And that was going to be the next four years. Were you in the corner blitz? Yep. Or were you in the, yep. the play? Nope. Tier? Corner blitz. Yeah. Wow. Did Sprang we ever the, have the upper deck? For it. I'm trying to remember if we ever had the I, upper deck. I don't think we ever got there late enough. I was pretty intentional about getting there very early. I did one time for a homecoming game against Indiana, and that was enough. I never I never made that yeah, mistake again, jerk guy. Yeah, I uh I think generally speaking, we were kind of maybe we didn't always end up together, but I think as a group, we kind of tended to time up similarly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes, but my favorite memory is actually a loss. Uh, and uh, it, it, only because it was so formative. Uh, though, you know, yeah, that's that's mine. Um, what are your three favorite memories from your time in the stands at the Breslin? I weirdly do not have great uh recall from breslin times 
Um, so Plum, I'll send it to you first. Oh man, uh, I remember the so- my sophomore year. Uh, freshman year was an upper bowl. Sophomore, junior, senior year was in lower bowl. And I just, we had amazing seats sophomore. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you the other one. No, no, no. That was sophomore year. Sophomore year, we did not have great seats. Junior year, we did. Sophomore year, I think it was with you, Greg, that day. We were um, behind one of the baskets. Uh, Jim Burr had called a foul on uh, <laughs> one of our players. And we were all pissed about it. He might know. He might have teed up Tom Izzo. Anyway, he did something to piss us off. Anyway, next time, like his makeup call was calling a foul against whoever they were playing. And Shannon Brown went to the line. And right as the ball left Shannon Brown's fingers and was going in, I screamed out at the top of my lungs, Jim Burr, you suck. And it was, of course, you could hear a pin drop because no one, you know, we were just absolutely quiet. But the ball had already left his hands. It was in flight, so it couldn't degenerate. Everybody looked over at us, including coach. <laughs> and I also turned around like, who said that? Uh, so that's my favorite memory was letting Jim Burr have it. That old crotchety, terrible Big Ten basketball referee. Boo, Jim Burr. Boo. You still, you still suck. suck, Jim Burr. For Rick, me, what do you got? I mean, not that I didn't enjoy that moment, but uh, it's impossible for me to choose between all of the Big Ten banners that I've seen get wow. hung after winning Big Ten clinching games. I think I've had three wow. or four. Uh, so uh, just pick one, Nick Kamansky. Pick one. I'll just say for me, anytime I got to see the Knights will play be run was it uh, was a win. This is the Wisconsin Knights will play or this is no, him running off a screen and jacking a three. That's what you're referring eight, to. Eight screens, to be clear, <laughs> multiple yeah. laps around the court and then jacking a three because that was all the offense. My favorite drill. Yes, that's. Uh, next question from Nick is now that MSU and Rutgers have acknowledged their bitter hatred for each other. No, uh, will Coach Bill Tecker put up a clock counting down <laughs> the days until the Spartans next gridiron battle with the Scarlet? Who? <laughs> I heard that uh, actually uh, Mel Tucker is going to install uh, hot tubs in the uh, in in the whole uh, training complex so that the our guys are ready for when they go to you know Rutgers Stadium whatever it's called for the environment there. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, and extra uh, chlamydia everywhere all the time. <laughs> Just get infected now, boys. Uh, if you were an NBA executive, this is the last question. Would you rather hire as a head coach Izzo or Juwan and why? I, I'm guessing we may actually all have same answer. answer It's obvious. It's Juwan, right? hundred percent. Yeah. To our entire NBA executive listening audience, definitely hire Juwan Howard. Howard. He's, he's younger. He's coached in the NBA. Like I, I, don't, the, I don't see how this is. Well, he's the only one that would do it. That's the end of it. He's the only one that would go. Done. Next. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's TBD on whether Juwan has the appetite actually for the college football or college basketball game. I mean, recruiting is is a much different beast than than running a front office. Or, or at least being connected with the front. Well, I'll tell you, if he can't get his punctuation right, right and his statements disavowing the whole offer game, I don't see how we can be <laughs> successful in the front office. 
Everyone in sports should run their statements past Blum for a copy edit before they post them on Twitter. It's a period. It's not complicated. It's just put a period it's not hard. there. Also, also I, I, look, this is not a typography podcast, but I, I don't need... I don't need I don't know who needs to hear this. But unless you are putting together a collection of United States interstate highway system signs, there is little to nothing that should be all caps ever. Unless it is a road sign, it should not be in all caps. Your decision to say I am not going to the NBA should not be in all caps. It it's just it's it's terrible typography. Anyway, uh, this will wrap up another episode of can't read, can't write. So, uh, again, uh, it's, it's been an emotional week. We tried to have some fun here. Uh, we don't want to be un uncognizant of the current events that are going around, but we will, as always conclude with, um, gentlemen, go green, go white, go white, Jonesy.